This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. But that was it. From that moment on, after all the expectations of 91, 92, and 93, we all started to get it. And that was, they suck. They're not any good. We got to blow this bitch up and start over. So 1994 and 1995, you almost have to throw out because we never completed the 1994 season. The Mets were actually having a a decent year in 1994 as they began their rebuild. They had 55 wins, I think was their number, right when they stopped things. So they were a little bit under 500. 1995, they didn't have over-unders. It was a shortened season. 1996, and I'm sort of stunned by this. In 1996, Generation K, right? Paul Wilson's up, Bill Pulsifer's up, Jason Isringhausen's up, Todd Hundley's emerging as a pretty good player. They acquire Lance Johnson. They acquire Bernard Gilkey. I don't remember this, but the Met expectations was 82. 82 wins going into 1996. And I guess it makes sense because they did show a lot of promise in 95. They closed the season strong in 95. And so there was this hope of, okay, this is turning around. This young core of, especially pitchers, but this young core is starting to show promise. I don't remember vividly thinking they'd be a 500 or above team. But yeah, that was their expectation going into 1996. And 1996 was a very unique year in Met history. They got a historic year out of Todd Hundley. They had a historic year out of one dog, Lance Johnson. They had a great year out of Bernard Gilkey. Three of the great offensive seasons in the history of the New York Mets, but they went 71 and 91. Because Jason Isringhausen was terrible, got hurt. Paul Wilson was terrible, got hurt. The Generation K was a bust. A monumental, unequivocal, if that's a word, bust. Disaster. But hey, they had three guys have huge offensive seasons. So they finished 11 games below their expectations. So you see this pattern here of really other than 1990, 91, 92, 93, 96 of they're supposed to be decent or really good and the team sucks. Now things start to shift because in 1997, coming off of that season, a year in which they had these historic offensive years, the Mets were supposed to be a bad team. Their over-under was 76 going into 1997, and I sort of agreed with that. How could you not coming off the year that was 1996? And 1997 was a really fun season. Because the Mets had some great wins, they shocked us all, and they went out and they won 88 games. 88 games. Had the best season of my lifetime to that point. And Todd Hundley was injured late in that season, but the John Olerud trade was a huge deal. He had a great year for them. That was a big addition. Edgardo Alfonso was emerging as a tremendous player. 
And there's one game that sticks out sticks out at me from that year. Uh, it was late in the season, and the Mets, for the first time in my life, had sent out a playoff bill to my dad. They said, hey, playoff tickets, here's the bill. The Mets were about, I'd say, five games out of a wild card spot, kind of in that range, trailing the Florida Marlins, who eventually would not only win the wild card, but win the World Series. And my dad was brutally honest. He said, I'm not sending this bill in. Well, I mean, come on. We're not going to the playoffs. I'm not going to let the Mets hold my money, which I understood. The Mets played a game against the Expos in which they were losing 6 nothing in the bottom of the ninth inning, and they rallied dramatically, tied the game on a grand slam by Carl Everett when they were down to their final out, eventually won the game on a walk-off by Bernard Gilkey. For anyone who remembers that game, raise your hand. I'm sure there's about seven of you. And after that game, I said, Dad, you got to send the bill in. You got to send that bill in. This is the miracle Mets, baby. And my dad and I, I hold no ill will towards him for this. He's very smart. He said, sure, Evan. He never did. He lied to me. And that's okay. Because all these years later, I get it. (laughs) I understand why he lied to me. They were never going to make the playoffs. But they did win 88 games. They ended up finishing only four games behind the Marlins that year. Because the Marlins won 92 games. But it really wasn't a true pennant race. They were in it. It was unique for us for the first time since 1990 being any semblance of being in a pennant race. But they over, look, they overachieved expectations. They won 12 more games than the over-under. They followed it up in 1998. The over-under gets raised to 84 and a half. The Mets go out, they win 88 games. Should have been more. We all know about them choking down the stretch of the year, losing the last five games to Montreal and then to Atlanta. I keep thinking of Tony Phillips striking out against the Atlanta Braves over the weekend. I don't know why I just blame Tony. Jay Payton, schmuckingly, trying to run on Andrew Jones and get thrown out by a mile at third base. Very bitter end to that season. But they won 88 games, which they had done the previous year, but they couldn't win any of their last five games. Cubs and Giants finished in a tie for the wild card spot, had a one-game playoff. Then 1999, Mets have a big offseason. They add Robin Ventura to this Met team. And we go into 1999 with far and away the highest expectations of my lifetime. The over-under is 91.5, highest it's been, and they back it up. They win 97 games, even though they tried to collapse, but then they recovered late in the season. It was really a 96-win season, because remember, the one-game playoff counts as a regular season game. So they really won 96 games, but they, they overachieved. It was one of the rare times where they've overachieved, even though they've now done it three straight years. So they beat the over-under by five and a half games. They followed up in 2000 with the same over-under, very similar, 90 and a half. Totally get that. They had the addition of Mike Hampton during that offseason, the big trade of Octavio Dotel and Roger Cedeno. So they add Mike Hampton, who was coming off a very good regular season, and the Mets again overshoot the expectation and win 94 games. Lose the National League East, but win the wild card spot. This is the glory days of Met fandom, (laughs) if you're my age. We love the late 90s, 99-2000. Couldn't win a division, couldn't beat the Braves, but we love that team. The Mike Piazza, Al Leiter, Edgardo Alfonso, New York Mets. 2001, they lose Mike Hampton, they don't sign A-Rod, and at least to me, I went into 2001 realizing We are not going to be as good. And this is the same feeling I had about the Jets about a decade later 
when the Jets lost the AFC Championship game to the Steelers, and I said it on the air to Joe that day, and I said it to anybody I knew, I said, you know we're not getting back. Like, that's it. That was our shot. I'm not saying we're going to be terrible. I'm not saying we're going to be awful, but we're not getting back to that point. And I think after getting to the World Series in 2000 and coming as close as the Mets had come in 1999, there was a feeling inside me of, this is it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Like, we're not getting back. In 2001, the Mets had 88 and a half wins as their expectation, so very similar number, and they really had a terrible season. They closed the year really strong. They got very hot in September. Uh, 9-11 stops the season for about eight days. They then come back. They win the dramatic game on that Friday against the Braves. They win on Saturday. They're making, like, this incredible late push in the National League East, and then had a couple of just awful losses to Atlanta in which Armando Benitez took a deuce on the mound. Brian Jordan haunted us, and the Mets ended up finishing with 82 wins. So they finished six and a half games below the expectations. But my expectations going into 0-1 were just not that high. Maybe I was alone on that. I, I just had a really tough time believing they were going to come anywhere close to what they had accomplished in 99 and 2000. 2002. 2002 is an interesting year because now the Mets are realizing, okay, we didn't get A-Rod. Instead, we signed Kevin Apier. Uh, We lost Mike Hampton from two years earlier. We didn't have a very good season. Let's go do stuff. They trade for future Hall of Famer Roberto Alomar. They bring back Roger Cedeno. They acquire Mo Vaughn. Like a very aggressive offseason. Uh, they bring in like Sean Estes and Pedro Estacio. They, they really redo the team in a way, which they didn't really do going into 01. 01 was, uh, let's sort of run it back. Let's you know not be aggressive and have a big offseason. And going into 02, and obviously history knows and tells us it didn't work out, they did go for it. And they went out and traded for Roberto Alomar and move on. So they went for it. And their expectations going into 02 were red hot. They were high. 90 and a half tied for the highest in the National League with the Atlanta Braves. How about that? And it makes sense. Look at the moves they went out and made. And they go out in 2002 and they win 75 games, 15 games below the expectations. 15. That's 1992-esque. That's 1993-esque. 2002 was an unmitigated, embarrassing disaster. One thing I'll say, though, about that year, Mo Vaughn was not terrible. <laughs> he wasn't. Guy had 26 home runs, 800 OPS. The problem is Roberto Alomar was terrible. That was part of the issue. He sucked. And obviously, the team sucked. 2003, that's the year they go out and add Tommy Glavin, and again had high expectations. Like, think about that. The Mets are coming off a season in which they win 75 games they sucked. They fire Bobby Valentine, right? They bring in Art Howe. They sign, I think, Cliff Floyd and Tom Glavin. Those are the big offseason additions. Okay, something. 
and their expectations are to win 86 and a half games. So in the same range as a year earlier. And spoiler alert, they didn't. They went out and won 66 games. And the tone was set when Tom Glavin took the mound on opening day and got his ass booed off the mound on a 28-degree weather day as the Mets got pounded by the Chicago Cubs. So you're noticing this pattern where the Mets get a lot of respect. <laughs> How do you go into that season? Really, was, was everyone that high on Art Howe because of what he did in Oakland? Like, is that what happened? 2004, they went out and they added Mike Cameron, Richard Hidalgo, Kaz Matsui. Uh, that's pretty much it. Those are their, oh, Braden Looper. <laughs> they bring Braden Looper in. They bring Mike Stanton in. And again, not like really high expectations, but the expectation is 81 and a half. They're coming off a year in which they won 66 games. And their expectation was 81 and a half. They go out and they win 71 games. So 10 games below the expectations right after a year in which they were 20 games below the expectations right after a year in which they were 15 games below the expectations. Think about that. Three straight years, 15 games under, 20 games under, 10 games under. Mets are getting way too much respect. Now, 2005 is a little bit different because 2005 was the beginning of the new Mets. That's when they blow the whole thing up. They hire Willie Randolph. They sign Pedro Martinez. They sign Carlos Beltran. There's, there's certainly a feeling, you, you know David Wright looks like the real deal. Let's include that because David comes up late 2004, plays really well, looks like the future face of the franchise. So I get 05 because even I felt decent about 2005. Like, all right, we're moving in the right direction. We just added the best pitcher in free agency, the best position player in free agency. So the expectation was 85 wins. They won 83. So it was kind of right on when you really think about it. But it was the first time in years in which the Mets at least came close to matching the expectations coming into a season. 2006, oh, you could feel it. You go ahead, Carlos Delgado. I don't think we had a feeling that they were going to be the best team in Major League Baseball, but certainly a feeling of they could take the next step and be a playoff team. So their over-under going into that year was 91, the highest over-under they've ever had other than 1999. And again, if you skipped around this podcast, I I cannot find any over-under prior to 1990. So take the 80s out. Obviously, if there was a number in 86, it would be red hot, especially after what they did in 84 and 85. So it's really the, I guess, the modern era of Met baseball, if you want to include the last 33 years as the modern era. But 91 wins, it was the second highest win total in the National League in terms of expectations, and they went out and they won 97 games. The Atlanta Braves underperformed in a big-time way because the Braves that year were still in the midst of winning the division every year, had an over-under of 89. This was the year they finally hit rock bottom and only won 79 games. So the Braves became a non-factor in 2006. In 2007, coming off a year in which the Mets were clearly the best team in the National League, I'm skipping over what happened in the 06 playoffs because you already know. You don't, you don't need me to explain it. We don't, we don't need to go through that in painstaking detail. We'll save another podcast for that. 